the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And today joining me is Anthony Cognilio with New Lake Capital Partners. And Anthony, um, New Lake is a $100 million fund or diversified uh, capital group that's looking and supporting the cannabis industry through real estate um, investments towards leasing back and helping companies establish themselves without necessarily the capital outlay um, required to build the facilities in the first place and allowing them to amortize the costs over time. That's a great area which uh, causes a problem for a lot of uh, startups. How did you get into that? So when we started looking at the, excuse me, when we started looking at the sector a few years ago, we realized that there was an opportunity to step into not only a nascent industry, but one that was really starving for what I would call normalization. And so what we thought we could bring was professionalization or normalization on the capital side focused on real estate. And much the way um, capital providers supported, whether it be data centers in the early 90s at the outset of the development of data centers or lab space or other subsectors of real estate, we thought that we could be an early mover in the normalization of real estate financing for this sector. And um, as you know, over the last couple of years, capital has become more difficult for companies in the sector to obtain. And we found ourselves being well-received because we're able to provide non-dilutive capital to companies that are in this high-growth and exciting industry. Um, And so we, um, we saw a great opportunity and we got organized around it. So, you know, non-dilutive capital is always of appealing to companies, but under what terms do you, uh, do you structure the participation? Since we acquire the underlying asset and we will own the real estate, we spend a fair amount of time in underwriting our transactions based on the quality of the real estate, as well as the quality of the resulting tenant. And so our terms do vary from location to location and tenant to tenant uh, based on the market value of the real estate, but also based on the credit quality and the financial wherewithal of the tenant itself. Um, But I would say generally speaking, excuse me, cap rates, which is the way you measure the the yield in real estate, cap rates on retail would be anywhere from 10.5% to 12.5%. And cap rates on industrial properties would be anywhere from 11.5% to 14.5% in that range. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's right in the the norms there. That's great. And so... You, your fund, your firm raised or has $100 million to apply to the market. I think you've got about 20 projects underway or already in, uh, in operation right now that you're supporting and still looking for more opportunities. Are you focusing on a geographic area or are you looking right across the U.S.? We're looking across the U.S., but I'll go back and say that we currently own 21 properties across eight states. Mm -hmm. Um, We own 17 
retail locations, as well as for industrial properties for uh, growing and manufacturing. So for us, we really like being across the value chain in cannabis. We particularly like to focus on states and jurisdictions where there's a more limited license uh, licensing regime. We think that in those more limited license jurisdictions, there's better intrinsic value in the license and therefore the underlying property. So that tends to be more so where we focus. Right. And so um, when you when you acquire a piece of property, then you lease it back or do you do, is it a straight lease, a lease back, a lease for sale? How, how do you structure it with the companies you're working with? The transactions we do are sell lease back transactions, <clears throat> excuse me, where we will acquire the property and then concurrently um, lease it back to the company for 10, 12, 15, 20 years, depending on the contract. And the, the from the tenant's perspective, there's no displacement from the tenant. It's really a financial transaction at that point. So there's zero disruption to their business activities. Right. And so, and the tenant's responsible for all the TI costs to get outfitted, of course, for the actual operation of the facility at that point. Primarily, there are instances where we do provide tenant improvement dollars to the tenant for build out of the actual real estate. What we don't provide is money for trays and tables and equipment related expenses. But we do have uh, a number of transactions with our tenants where we're providing additional dollars for expansion of, uh, of square footage of the buildings. Right. So it's a form of a REIT operating specifically for the cannabis space right now and trying to, and developing out beside it. That's, that's precisely correct. And that's how we're set up. We're not a fund. We're a company. We're in this for the long haul. Uh, we think we can build a, a sizable business focused on this burgeoning cannabis industry because we see cannabis real estate as a, as a new subsector of commercial real estate, particularly here in the U.S., where each state requires its own infrastructure. And in our opinion, that'll be in place for quite some time. Um, and, and therefore, as a result, it does require a significant amount of real estate to execute the business plan. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, REITs are very well proven business models for on both sides in terms of the investor and the, uh, the companies which are dealing with them to secure property, to develop their operations. Um, how, you know, with the changes in the financing market around the cannabis space in the last year, that's obviously affected your opportunity as well, created some opportunities, but also how has that affected uh, your investors in terms of their appetite for participation? Obviously, you may have lost some and gained some others. How, how, how has it shifted? We have over 170 investors and we have raised $100 million of capital. <clears throat> Excuse me, we do have some capital um, still remaining that we're looking to do additional transactions beyond the 21 that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from our investors' perspective, they look at us and they like that they're getting, a, getting paid a nice, healthy quarterly dividend quarter after quarter from us. Um, Even through COVID, our dividend has been uninterrupted. Um, We're very happy that from a tenant perspective, uh, we've had no rent deferrals, no vacancies. um, And so we're feeling good about the disciplined underwriting approach that we've taken. So so we wouldn't have an interruption in our net operating income or our NOI. Um, And therefore, when we talk to investors about some of the capital difficulties, we point them to the fact that when we underwrite transactions, 
we spend a tremendous amount of time understanding the financials, understanding the business dynamics of the partner and understanding what their runway is, both from a cash flow perspective as well as a balance sheet perspective and capital perspective. Um, and so uh, what we really tell our investors is that's what that's why you should give us the investment dollars because we think the combination of cannabis experience, real estate experience, financial services, restructuring experience, that our team has the ability to manage the various inputs, make sound decisions, and deploy capital effectively. No, absolutely. And absolutely. And so, you know, with regards to the the model, I mean, it's well proven um, in so many other industries. What do you see right now from, you know, because you're dealing with a piece of the puzzle and cannabis entrepreneurs who are getting going, be it, uh, you know, I know you deal with a number of dispensaries and then you've got a, a f- companies that are in a few other uh, areas, including I'm sure some that are producers. Um, where are you seeing the capital flowing from the other perspectives that people are trying to access and where are you seeing the companies running into challenges where there's, it's just not there where it would have been there a year ago. Yeah, here I think I'll be stating the obvious, uh, or I should say the risk of stating the obvious. It's about profitability and cash flow. Um, I think that over the last year, you've seen operators driven by the markets, operators force on driving to profitability and driving to cash flow. And quite frankly, all of the effort that went into that in the second half, in in the last two or three quarters of last year, really positioned the industry well for what happened in March, April, May. Um, And I think the industry was already becoming more nimble and more efficient. And I I personally believe it it allowed the industry to weather the COVID storm as well as it has thus far. Um, I think the new capital that's coming in is looking for a bargain right now. Mm -hmm. And there's belief that they can observe what goes on in the market. Um, and being speaking quite bluntly, I think some of the new capital providers are saying, I'll just wait for the pain, more pain to happen because prices will come down and I'll have a better entry point maybe two, three, four, five months ago, uh, months from now. Um, and so we're seeing, we're seeing people swirl, but we haven't seen anybody swoop yet uh, to use a, maybe a poor analogy. No, no, that's uh, that's very true. We're seeing that across uh, a lot of the areas of the industry globally. And, you know, I'm my company, uh, Plana Global, that uh, I run, we just close a round of financing. And it's a tough market for uh, people out there. We we're counter ourselves fortunate that we were able to do it. And it was a you know great sign of support that we were able to go raise the capital to, uh, that puts us in a position of uh, having a very long runway. And that's uh, right. that's incredible. Uh, vis-a-vis a lot of the companies that right now are looking at walls uh, that are approaching them quickly. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak with Anthony Cognilio with New Lake. We'll be back in a moment. Do you need a glass of water or anything, Anthony? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, let me... <clears throat> the Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, 
how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwicky. And of course, joining me today, Anthony Cognelio with New Lake Capital. And Anthony, before we jump into the last segment, um, you know, people who are listening to this and thinking they should be contacting you to find out more, where should they go and visit? Uh, Your website? Is there a different place you prefer to be contacted through? Uh, Our website, thank you for asking. It's www.newlake.com. That's N-E-W- L-A-K-E dot com. And uh, after they check us out on the website, if they have any questions, there is an info button there that they can click uh, and email us and we will get back to them very, very timely. And that's something that both entrepreneurs and investors should use to to learn more about what you do and how they can participate, I believe. Yes, yes. Uh, If anybody out there is looking to enter into a sell lease back transaction, or if you're looking at a property to acquire and you want us to come in uh, pre-acquisition and close for you and enter into a lease, we're happy to look at that. And for anybody interested in investing, um, we'd be happy to walk you through our business and our, our value proposition. Yeah. And these, you know, these times of uncertainty um, are also times of opportunity and this industry, I, I always tell people it's I used to be in technology and it was always it's been interesting for me in technology I'd build really cool and amazing things but I'd explain to people why they needed them and in medical cannabis I don't have to explain to people why they need my product it's more a question how fast can I have it and how much uh, can I get mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's a for people looking at participating and considering all the turmoil and you know or the risks right and everything else this is really an industry that it's at its low point in, uh, in the market swings. And, you know, as we move forward every day, we're closer to uh, one step closer to federal legalization, but also globally, the markets keep opening up. Um, how do, how do you find the conversation with, you know, the entrepreneurs? It's easy. They, they know they're looking at an opportunity and something they can build out. They may, you know, they may have different degrees of certainty and different expectations, but the investors, how, how do they understand, you know, where it's going and 
which are the right opportunities to participate in. Because obviously, if you're helping deal with the, helping them deal with the real estate aspect, you're also able to share insights around what else is working or maybe is getting saturated or under uh, undersupplied. Yeah, I, you know where I start with people when I talk to them is telling them to understand where they are on the risk spectrum. Mm-hmm. How much risk are you willing to take with your investment? So if you're a go for it all, I'm willing to lose everything and get 30 times my money, 40 times, 50 times my money, well then go into equities of operators and, and try to pick the right one. Um, there are others on the other end of this risk spectrum that say, no, 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 I believe in the space. And yes, I want to take some risk, but I don't want to lose my money. And so that's where we tend to cater um, because with us, we get cash flow currently. Um, we're profitable today. We've got diversification amongst geography, amongst tenants, amongst use type. Um And we own the underlying property. So there's a lot, there's that collateral protection, so to speak. So we'd be kind of towards the other end of the spectrum. So I always tell investors, figure out where you want to be on the risk spectrum and then um, pick your spot and do your research. And the other thing is to really, in, in my opinion, you really need to understand the companies and go beyond the financials and understand what the principals are talking about and how they're talking and how they're managing risks in this sector. Um, The informed investor here in this cannabis sector will do much better than the uninformed. Whereas I think in some other sectors, um, you might be able to skate by and not have the peaks and the valleys that you would in cannabis, but you might be able to skate by without doing as much work here. So where are you on the risk spectrum? And then do the work. Um, And so that's how I advise folks uh, in terms of thinking about whether they want to be in equity or in debt, or in our case, uh, the sale leaseback. Right, and that you know that holds true of every industry that people look at in terms of investments. Um, you know the your risk profile and what you get into, but you know how are people looking at you know which parts of the industry and the institutions are performing well, and offer you know how do you how do you look at which ones offer that upside that your because your investors are looking at it beyond the straight real estate, they're looking at participation one way or the other. Right. And our, our value prop is that we're not, what we're not saying is we're the best ones to judge who the winners and losers are in the space. Right. What we're saying is we think we do a good job of underwriting the tenants. Um, but at the end of the day, if our property is located in a quality real estate location in a limited licensed jurisdiction, we're more likely than not to be able to retenant that property should our tenant incur uh, uh, economic issues and have to turn it over. And so, you know, there are myriad ways that we layer in protections uh, to mitigate risk. Mm-hmm. And um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and I was just saying yes. And uh, you know, I think that's that's exactly it for the entrepreneur. You know, you need to de-risk the exposure and maximize the cash you have on hand for your operations and building out the cash cash flow generating portions of your business and being able to take the capital cost around the property ownership and maintenance off the table and reduce it to a manageable load on a, on a monthly basis is a smart way to structure your business. And your, your opportunity 
advances that and makes it possible for, you know, right now, 21 different uh, organizations and you're looking, you know, based on your capital deployed, you probably have another four to five you're, you're looking at in this first round of funding, if I, if I do my math right. Yeah, we, we actually have the 21 properties. We have some of a multi-properties. For instance, we have 10 properties with one particular tenant. So we don't have 21 individual tenants. Um, I wish we had that level of diversification. But right. I, think you're right. I think for the operators, they have to decide what their business is. If, if their business is running a cannabis company, then I'd focus my energy, effort, and capital on that. Um, and, and again, from I could spend hours talking about the corporate finance reasons to do this. And, and when I say this, I mean sell leaseback. And again, you're in good company for those that have done it because Walgreens in the U.S. does it or Amazon does it, right? Amazon can borrow money at 3.5%. Why do you think they're signing leases for 7% on some of their industrial property? Because they don't want to utilize that balance sheet leverage capability to raise capital to, to put into a fixed asset like real estate, which has limited return potential, their capital should be going into building the Amazon brand and their delivery capability, much the way a cannabis company should be investing capital into developing brands, platform, marketing, other aspects of the business that will drive revenue, EBITDA, free cash flow, because that's ultimately where you're going to be valued, what you're going to be valued on. I can tell you in all the M&A deals I've seen in the space so far, nobody is buying companies because of the balance sheet value of real estate. Yep. No, absolutely. And it's like anything else in any business. You focus on what you can do exceptionally well, and you outsource and find other ways to manage the areas that are peripheral to your core value proposition. But we're, um, we're out of time for today, unfortunately, Anthony, and uh, I'd like to thank you for joining us here on The Green Peak and to, our listeners, for, uh, to our listeners for participating. And once again, where should people visit the newlake.com website for more information, either as an entrepreneur or as an investor? Yes. Great. www.newlake.com. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Richard Zwicky. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.